Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Psalms 127 says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Verse 3, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray that you would help me be able to effectively communicate it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. The last two weeks, Mama D and I have shared our story. We've talked about broken homes restored. We've talked about how that Jesus can heal your broken home. Uh, Dr. John came up to me and he said, you should uh, write a book and call it Marriage on the Rock or Marriage on the Rocks. And I said, only from Dr. John would you hear something like that. He's a, he's a lot better writer than I am. But that's true. Our marriage was on the rocks and then the rock came along and helped us. And that's been a lot of years ago. So this week, I want to talk to you about how we can relate to our kids, what the Word of God says uh, about relating to our children. I also, um, I, I thought about naming it, What to Do When Your Kids Go Sideways. <laughs> how many of you have ever experienced that? My goodness, spend a half million dollars raising a kid, and then they turn around and do that? You know, I mean, how many knows what I'm talking about? I mean, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Well, I want to begin by saying this. God loves families. God is a big fan of families, and God loves families. And good kids are not just born, they're made. It's like leadership. Leaders are not just born, leaders are made. Good leaders are made. Good kids are not just born, they're made. That's why the Bible said, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Sometimes those uh, of us who were not serving the Lord when we were younger and we were raising our children, we say, well, what do I do? Well, that's when we have to say, Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you that you have a way of getting through to them, and I, and I give them over to you. But when you have trained them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, and you have raised them right, you have the spiritual right to make a demand on that training. It's God's Word. You can make a demand on the Word of God. God, you said that if I train them right, that when they're older or old, they will not... Depart from it. So good kids are not just born. They don't, I mean, you don't just say, oh, well, hello, you know, put a bottle in their mouth and then a steak later and say, I hope you do fine. No, good kids are not born, just born, they are made. And children 
are products of the environment in which they're raised. Don't expect your child to be wonderful if you're raising them in a chaotic environment. That's not how it works. Same with grandchildren. Let me tell you a little story about my grandbaby last night. You knew this was going to get in here, didn't you? First time ever, uh, she was sleeping almost overnight uh, in, in our room. And so we had the little place set up for her down on the floor and all of that. And uh, a couple of things happened there. Donna went in to, re to go uh, use the restroom and take a shower and whatnot because we have a little bathroom off of the room there. And uh, she woke up. And she turned and she's like, to her papa. So what's papa going to do, sit there? I think not, you know. So I go down there and uh, I laid down beside her and was patting on her, trying to get her to go back to sleep. And, uh, and she, I thought she went back to sleep and I got back up and she reached over with her eyes closed and put her hand on me and went like that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was so powerful, there was no way I could get away from it. I... <laughs> so I laid back down there beside her, and I thought, well, I'll sneak off now. And so I started to sneak off a few minutes later, and she grabbed my shirt. Her eyes were closed, mind you, and she grabbed my shirt. So I just gave up. I just laid there till Donna came in and uh, did her thing, you know, uh, taking care of her. So later on, she's sleeping. Donna's up in the bed, I'm up in the bed, we're sleeping, you know, I've got my pajamas on and, and the baby's down there in, in the floor and she's sleeping and all of a sudden I hear her whimper. Donna hears her whimper. She goes and she gets her, she puts her up there in the bed with us, which we never do, we didn't hardly ever do that with our kids either, but she put her up there in the bed because her mom was going to be there in just a few minutes, put her up there in the bed and that baby went to sleep, turned around sideways, kicked me in the head. She kicked her <laughs> papa in the head, okay? Her daddy used to do the same thing. That kid, he would get in the, in, and he would turn around and kick you. So she kicks me in the head. So I'm over like this, and so finally I lean back over like that, and she puts one foot on my shoulder and the other on my head. And how dare I move, you know? And so then wasn't too long after that, and her mom was there. And, and got her. <laughs> Children are products of the, of the environment in which they are raised. That baby knew that she could push me. That baby knew she could kick me. That baby knew she could do whatever she wanted to do because Papa loves her unconditionally. And sometimes, and sometimes that's what we have to communicate to our kids. We have to communicate to them the unconditional love of God. I've told my children the whole time they were growing up, I may not agree with what you do. I may not agree with the decisions that you make. You may disappoint me, and they have. You may hurt my heart, and they have at times. I may not agree with you, but never, ever forget that your daddy loves you no matter where did you learn that, Pastor? I learned it from God. I learned that relationship from God. There's an old song we used to sing in church. It says this. It says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. 
The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. And then the song swells up and it says, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. And then verse 2, I love verse 2. I put it on Facebook this morning. I love verse 2 more than verse 1. It says this, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you with an unconditional love. The Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that if God's word says whosoever, then it means whosoever, right? Yeah. All right, now, now, we need to be a good example to our kids. If we want to raise good kids, if we want to relate to our kids, if we want to share Christ with our kids, then we need to go, be a good example. We have to be a good example through unconditional love. You know, the most valuable thing you'll ever give to your children is time. You can give them an education. You can give them an inheritance. You can buy them a car. You can buy them a home. You can do all of these kinds. But really, what they want and what they need more than anything is their father and their mother's time. So be a good example because how you treat your children is probably how your grandchildren are going to be treated and how your great-grandchildren are going to be treated. So when we are a good example, we need to be a good example of God's unconditional love. The second thing in being a good example in relating to our children is we need to live this lifestyle of worship around our kids. It's okay for your children to hear you pray. There's nothing wrong with your kids hearing you sing songs. Now my kids laugh at me because sometimes I make up songs. We'll be going down the road and I'll see something and I'll think that would make a good song and I'll just start singing some crazy song. But then there's other times I'll just be driving down the road and they'll be with me and I'll start singing. They'll say, those are dad's songs. So, you know, those are old songs. But I'll start singing these really old songs from way back because I love old songs. And I'll start singing these old songs from way back and I'll say, come on, sing with me, sing with me. Oh, dad, I don't know that song. That was way before my time. But it's a lifestyle of worship. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, and, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And when we talk about a lifestyle of worship today, I want us to understand that we're talking about living with a God consciousness. Understanding that there is an all-seeing eye watching us, that God is around, and He's not there to point fingers. He's there to help us. He's there to love on us and to care about us. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10 says this, for my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power 
outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in my body. In the King James Version, which is the one that I've grown up reading and listening and studying, it says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. A lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle that pursues the knowledge of God. It's a lifestyle that pursues not just knowing about God, but actually knowing God. If you want to be a good example to your children and you want to relate to your children and you want to help them fall in love with God, then you first must fall in love with God. You first must have a relationship with God and allow Him to speak into you and to minister to you and to love you. So the third thing in being a good example is this. If we want to relate to our children, not only do we need to show them unconditional love, and not only do we need to live a lifestyle of worship, but we need to surrender to the Lord. We need to study our Bible. We need to give and support missions. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27, we'll get here. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If I'm going to be a good disciple, a person who disciplines myself to learn the discipline of the word and apply that to my life, then God's word tells me that every single day that I need to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow Jesus. Being a disciple means that I am a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ. That means that he's always interacting with me. He's always teaching me. He's always helping me grow in him. I want to become more like him. I want to become more like Jesus. And then the Bible said, Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gains the whole world and loses himself or he's cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels." Now, I want to say something about this because I want to kind of clarify it. When the Bible says that if we're ashamed of him before men, we'll be ashamed, he'll be ashamed of us before the Father in heaven. That doesn't mean that we need to live our life as a Jesus freak. That doesn't mean that we need to go around and be a nuisance to everyone. That doesn't mean that we need to go out here in the street corners and get in people's faces. No, 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 no. When the scriptures say, if you're ashamed of me uh, and my words, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in his, in his own glory and his fathers and of the holy angels. When the Bible talks about that, what he's talking about is when the Lord gives you the opportunity to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to repeat that. When the Lord gives you the opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ, 
then take that opportunity. But don't go around and knock down doors and kick open doors and try to force people to listen to you because their heart has to be right in order for them to receive. Their ear has to be uh, attentive. Their spirit has to be ready in order for them to receive. And so we need to live the surrendered life. So if God speaks to us and says, I want you to go here and do this, or I want you to go to that person and say whatever, then we need to open up and do that. I mean, I've done that. I've shared that so many stories about that here through the last eight years since we've been here pastoring, how that you'll just be going down the road or, or uh, in a store somewhere or pumping gas and the Lord will just nudge you and say, I want you to go do this to that person right there. And that's called living the spirit-led life. And in order to live the spirit-led life, we have to surrender to him. And then the second thing is we need to be a lover of the Word of God. A lover of the Word of God. If we're going to study our Bibles, then we're going to have to fall in love with the Word of God. The Bible says in uh, Psalms 119 and verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 talks about studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Listen to me, church. Listen to me very closely. If you do not study your Bible, you will be easy prey for false doctrine. It's important for you to study your Bible. It's important for you to read your Bible. It's important for you to hide God's Word in your heart. The Word of God says that I might not sin against God. How does that work? You can get so full of the Word of God that it drives the desire for sin right out of your life. That's what I tell people in addictions. I say, if we can just get you addicted to the Word of God, if we can just get you addicted to the presence of God, if we can just get you addicted to the anointing, then all of a sudden, all of that, the, you say, well, that's not scriptural. Sure it is. The Apostle Paul said that he was addicted to the ministry. That means he was addicted to the practice of the anointing. He was addicted to the practice of the Word of God. And then, uh, if we're going to be a good example, then we need to be a good example in supporting missions. Now, in, in Philippians chapter 4, let's go over there. In Philippians chapter 4, it's been a while since I've taught this here, but I want you to see this, okay? Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19 says this. Now, we like to quote verse 19. We put it on plaques. We hang it on the refrigerator. We put it in our car. We carry it around in our pocket. Some of us do on our little keychain. We love that scripture where the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There is one word in that scripture that we ignore. What word do you think it is? It's the word but. Look at your neighbor and say, but. It says, but my God. So when we see that, we realize that it's the continuation of a thought. And so we have to go, we have to go back and we have to find out what it's talking about. So you have to go all the way back to verse number 15 to see what the apostle Paul was talking about when he was writing to the Philippian church here. Verse number 15, he said, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, so in other words, when I was starting, you were there. In the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So, in other words, no one activated the covenant of giving and receiving but you. And so he said, you communicated with me in that. 
and you gave. And because you gave, you received. And then the Bible goes on and it says, For even in Thessalonica, which is the letter to the Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, that was the letter written to the church of Thessalonica. It said, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Why did they send twice to his necessity? Because they had given right there when he was going to Macedonia in the beginning of the gospel and they had received because they had given. And so they were able to give again to Thessalonica two times. And then verse number 17 says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So this wasn't so much about him getting what he needed to do the work of the Lord. It was about him helping them position themselves to receive what they needed from God. Verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable well-pleasing unto God. So he was saying, you were giving sacrificially and I have received it. I am full. I no longer need anything. I am abound. I, I abound. I've received everything that you sent through Epaphroditus and it has, it has ascended up to God as an odor of a sweet smell and it is a sacrifice that is acceptable to him. And the promise is in verse number 19. And then he says, but my God shall supply all, not my needs, but your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, how come God was going to supply all of their need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? It's because they were helping the work of the Lord. They were supporting missions. And in the process of supporting missions and in the process of helping the work of the Lord, then they were giving and then they were receiving and God was making it able, able because of their activity of faith and giving and they were beginning to receive, it was possible for them to give again two times to Thessalonica. And then here he is writing to the Philippian church and he said, I've received everything that I need and because of this, God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then look at verse number 20. I love this. A lot of people never read this. I love this. It says, Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. That means that God receives the glory for the process. When I give, I do not have a right to infringe upon the glory due to God. When you give, you don't need to run around and look at people and say, look at what I gave, look at what I gave. You know, we gave $1,500, we gave $2,000, we gave $10,000. You know, we had a piece of property and the Lord spoke to us and we just gave it to the work of the Lord and we just gave it to the ministry. Go around and toot your own horn and you've got your reward. But when the Lord speaks to you and you obey Him in that area, now we've already received the offering, so don't get nervous. But... <laughs> see the look on some of y'all's faces up close here. You know, so I don't have my glasses on, but I can kind of feel that out here. I just want you to understand, when you give 
And when you support the work of the Lord, you have the right to expect to be involved in kingdom economics and receive the blessing of the Lord. But when the blessing comes back to you, God doesn't give it back to you for you to just set up in your bank account. God gives it back to you so you can pray and say, wow, Lord, this is more than I had before. What are we going to do with it now? And then the Lord gives you direction and then you, you send it and it translates into lost souls giving their life to Christ and disciples being raised up and people being called to ministry. Did you know people that are called to, to, to the ministry have to get saved first? Did you think about that? Did you ever think about that? So it might not just be translating into a lost soul. It might be God saving somebody because you gave that God's going to raise up that's going to be another Billy Graham. Or Billy Sunday. Or Dwight Moody. Or Smith Wigglesworth. So support missions. And get your kids involved in supporting missions. Get your kids involved in, in supporting the work of the Lord. Okay? So, relating to our kids, we need to show them unconditional love, even when we don't understand what they're, what they're doing. We're like, I taught you better than this, and you have lost your mind. But I love you anyway, and I'm going to pray that God helps you find your brain. Okay? Unconditional love. Then you have the lifestyle of worship. Lord, I'm going to worship you no matter what, and I'm not going to hide th this lifestyle of worship from the children. I'm going to be an example. And then you teach them how to surrender to the Lord. You teach them how to study their Bible. You teach them how to support and give to missions. And, and here's a big thing. If you want to relate to your children, then you're going to have to be real. Because kids can sniff out a fake in a minute. They'll know whether you're telling the truth or whether they're not. And here's another thing too. Practice what you preach. Don't tell them to do something and then you turn around and do something else. The third thing is be faithful to the house of the Lord. And I don't want to really get off into this too much because I don't have time. I've got an entire message that I've preached for years called Can a Man Love God and Not Go to Church? And I'll just go ahead and give you the message, spoiler. The answer is yes, but it'll wreck your family. And I can take you into the Old Testament and I can show you lineage through the kings. How that the Bible said that he actually, one of those kings actually loved God, but he would not go to the temple. And the reason he wouldn't go to the temple is because his grandfather Uzziah went in to try to do something in the temple and crossed the line and had to back out with leprosy breaking out in his forehead. And the young man got upset because God allowed that to happen to his grandfather. So this young man's children's children, his grandchildren, were offered as human sacrifices to a God called Moloch. Why? Because he loved God, but he wouldn't go to the temple. And children are products of the environment in which they are raised. If you don't get your kids around Christian training, then don't expect them to be a Christian when they grow up. Okay, so be faithful to God's house and be faithful to the work of the Lord and treat people right. I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I mean, sometimes when I get out there, the evangelism anointing comes on me, but in this pulpit, I'm your pastor. And I'm telling you right now, treat people right. Be a person of integrity. When it comes to how you treat people, always remember that your children see what you see magnified. 
how you're treating people. Maybe you'll treat someone wrong or something like that and you see all of the reasons why you're doing it. And so you see that, but all your child sees is how you treated them. And so it's important, okay? And you need to understand, your kids will remember. They have a, they have a memory like an elephant. It can last nine years or longer. Oh, Dad, do you remember? No, I don't remember that at all. Oh, but Dad, let me help you. And you start getting details like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I don't remember that. They remember. Your kids will remember how you made them feel. Your kids will remember how you treat people. They'll remember that, okay? Now, here's the next thing that I want to share with you, and we're, we're going to hurry through the rest of this. But in relating to your children, you need to see your kids like God sees them. I'm going to say this very plainly so all of us can understand. God loves your children even when they lose their way. God loves your children even when they lose their way. Pastor, how come you're not up here trying to pump us up and scream and holler and stuff like that? Because I'm a pastor and I'm trying to get some good stuff into you. I want to help you understand. God loves your children. God loves your grandchildren even when they lose their way. You're not supposed to be a judge. You are a fruit inspector. The Bible said you know people by the fruit that they bear. So when they're going sideways and they're connecting to the wrong kind of people, you have the right to say something. But you do not have the right to say it in the wrong way. Okay? Your kids need to know how you feel, but you don't have to tell them every 15 minutes how you feel in order for them to get it. They're pretty smart. You tell them one time and they pretty much got it. You start pounding that nail, they're just going to get rebellious. And they're going to start, well, I'll prove to everybody. I'll do it my way. And then you just have to stand back and watch the train wreck with great love. And you have to be there when everything falls apart. You've got to see your kids like God sees them. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't see you the way you sometimes have seen your children? When God sees us, He sees us with great love. When God sees us, He sees us with compassion. When God sees us, He sees us with uh, uh, potential. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 14, to suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Now there's a funny thing about little kids. They grow up. Okay? He loves them when they're grown as well. Not just when they're little children. He loves them when they're grown as well. The vernacular of the Word of God is a little bit different. The Bible said, Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When we were little, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. When we get older, we need to access the throne of grace because we have come to the age of accountability and we realize that we need God's grace to make it. And so, see your kids like God sees them. When my children make decisions that I know is wrong for them, I try to see them like God sees them. I'm going to love them no matter what. 
I'm going to be there for them. I'm preaching to some folks this morning. Some of you folks need to lighten up on your kids and just love them. Hallelujah. How does God see my kids? God sees value there. God sees value in my kids. And in fact, the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse number 14 that he knows my kids by their name, just like he knows you by your name. And then the Bible says, according to Isaiah 46 verses 9 through 10, and we're closing here, but according to Isaiah 46 verses 9 through 10, the Bible said that he has ordered, and that means he's laid out the order of their steps. Now, here's the thing. God can lay that order out, but they have to take the path. In fact, God can lay an order out for your steps, but you have to take the path. That's why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against me. And of the same word, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. So as parents, we should teach our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, and if there's someone here that's old enough, your great-great-grandchildren, you need to teach them to respect and follow God's plan for their life. God's plan for their life. They need to follow the plan of God for their life. And so it's important, isn't it? Now, how do I teach them that? Well, you have to do more than talk, honey. You have to be an example. You got to follow God's plan for your life. Well, I'm too old. I've messed things up. You're not dead. You're still alive. That means God must still have plans for you for the rest of your life. Let's stand. Come on. I want to just throw a couple of things at you real quick. You can't relate to your kids if you don't talk to them. Communication is key. And I want to give you a few things to do. And this is something you can do whether they're grown or small. You need to speak life over them every single day. Ditch the death talk and speak life. How do I do that? You are blessed. You're highly favored. You're greatly loved. I declare that my children are prosperous and they're healthy and they're whole. I declare that my kids can hear God clearly and that their heart is towards Him. I speak God's favor over them. I speak God's blessing. Come on, join with me, church. Just pray over your kids right now. Come on, let's do it. Come on, speak life over them right now. Father, we thank you that you've come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly and we speak life over our kids right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, God, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that they would walk in health, healing and wholeness and, and that they would be prosperous and they would receive God's favor in their life. God, let them feel the love of their heavenly Father and the love of their earthly parents as well. Let them know that they are highly favored and greatly loved. Hallelujah. We give you praise for that, Lord. We give you praise for that, Lord.
We give you praise. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.